0: Southeast Radio's Morning Mix. Southeast Radio
1: well I suppose I'm here today to talk about the assessment I know you need, are but, just to um, get a quick
0: comment on that um,
1: on, on the immigration we have lots and we've welcomed huge numbers of Ukrainian children to our schools um, my concerns from a school perspective is that there is discrimination between some of the refugees that come into our country for example we welcomed Syrian refugees a few years ago and they don't seem to have access to the same services that our Ukrainian children have access to so I'd like to see uh, across the board children or children they need access to all services so right. those are some of the concerns I have with regards What do you mean by that now Vicky? So um, say like some children who come in, um, the Ukrainian children um, have access or we are led to believe that they have access to um, educational supports like CAMS, mental health services because of PTSD and various other things that they may have experienced but um, other refugees say from other countries, like I'll take Syria for as an example, yeah. um, we were told for example some of our Syrian children would have access to these supports, they haven't had access to those supports yet and um, i suppose the thing is it's the policy we need to make it universally accessible for all children yeah. not just a select number of children but as regards schools we are very very welcoming across wexford and um, to all our ukrainian children i suppose we'd like to see them um, housed a little more permanently that's one of the big issues i have i mean a lot of our children are living in emergency accommodation that isn't ideal for them Um it can compound the the trauma that they may have suffered but as schools we are actively taking and supporting and how is everything
0: children. blending in as? Is it working well?
1: Um, Well, do you know what, Alan? At CBS, we are blessed to have um, a Ukrainian teacher who has come from Ukraine. And she approached us in 2021 and we were delighted to take her on. So she's working with us and she helps us a lot with um, say, translations. And one of the biggest things in schools is when you're working in a classroom and the modern day classroom and I suppose your listeners would need to know like you can have a class of 30 children and there can be 20 nationalities in that class. But by far the biggest uh, number of children that we've had of Of a kind of ethnic group would be our Ukrainian children. So to have a Ukrainian teacher on site who can work with parents and translate and tell me what I need to know from the parents because it's all fine to have the apps on your phone where they speak, I listen, I speak, they listen and they read um, it's to make sure that the actual what right. we are saying is heard and meant on the right. other
0: side. Fascinating insight into it because I haven't spoken to you about this mm. or any other teacher for this matter about about this particular issue but it's just purely coincidental, I'm yes. speaking to and she yes. mentioned at the very end of it Absolutely. and you happen to be in the studio with me, the main reason you are here is the assessment of need of children um, and you have views on this so can you take us through why you're here with me to discuss this this morning please
1: okay, So I go from my, my own experience of that okay so in about 2022 May June 2022 I received a call from the Department of Education telling me that two people were on their way down to help me fill out a form and I, I I found this very bizarre because the assessment of need as I knew it beforehand was something that with the support of my special education teaching colleagues in school we would consult with parents and we would make a referral to the assessment of need officer um, if we found a children uh, children or a child weren't meeting say their their milestones or they weren't developing typically as we uh-huh. would like to see on a occasions will be children in autism classes who would need to be referred on for the assessment of need. So that was it to that point. And then um, the NCSE, there was a a case action taken sometime in 2021 I think and then the HSE were basically told by the court that they had to legally follow their own protocols because an assessment of need is supposed to take a certain amount of time. Now Alan, anybody who's working um, with families and children who have additional needs will know that the assessment of need for years has taken taken a significant length of time to actually be finished and completed, especially with regards to autism services. So when I got this mandate back in, it was June 2022, um, I filled out the form, but I had loads of reservations about it because they arrived and I, I understood I was to give them information. No, they sat with me and helped me complete the form. So I found this really bizarre. But the form asked me all sorts of questions. So I was asking them questions as we went along. So the HSE nominated the NCSE as um, the organisation that were now responsible for carrying out the assessment of need part of it. So then the NCSE decided that they were going to nominate an appropriate professional to carry out certain aspects of the assessment of need form. Right. So traditionally we would have always relied on our educational psychologists from NEPS, so they're the National Education Psychology Service, to carry out a proper diagnostic educational assessment of the needs of a child they would then feed that report back to the parents they would make recommendations going forward and they would make recommendations for the school how we can support the child and to meet their needs in an educational setting so to move away from this expert process raised significant alarm bells for me So in in the meeting, I asked lots of questions. For example, um, you all know my issues with the HSE anyway, ongoing for years with COVID and different things and protocols and flaws and guidance. But part of it was that I was asking the people who are helping me fill out this form, right, so my voice is going to be heard with regards this education assessment profile. And they said, yes. I said, so will this feed into my special education teaching allocation, which is where all schools are lacking at the moment? And they said, no, because of GDPR, the two... um, It's only collected for the assessment of need, which I thought was absolutely ludicrous because any parent would tick a box and say, oh, if this form will allow schools to gain more resources to support the needs of my child in a mainstream or a special class, then why wouldn't we tick that box? Um, We filled out the form. There was loads of issues with it because NEPs were saying and the, the what came back from the department was that they deemed the resources that we were implementing was an appropriate assessment of the child's needs now while yes we are education, we are education experts, we are not psychologists right. and psychologists can test diagnostically. We as educationalists, we can only test, we can screen and we can say well there's a likelihood or there's not but we can't actually make a diagnosis. So what and happened
0: Vicky, I mean you've, you've given some detail on what you just shared with us. Yes, yeah no um, we've got the detail so, now, and just listened to you intently here. So what happened?
1: So my form went off and I, I said categorically there that I felt that while I am expert in certain areas I did not feel that I did the justice that an educational psychologist would have done for the assessment that I was doing at the time. I raised those concerns. Now, that was in 2022. So now in 2024, there were about 17 of us in the whole country who embarked on this. So mm-hmm. I wrote to various organisations and um, after a while a, a stop, a pause was put on it, but it was felt that there weren't enough of us complaining, and I'm doing that, I know your listeners can't see me, but in inverted mm-hmm. commas, about the process. Um, and sometimes that's how things are rolled out in the Department of yeah. Education. They trial it with a small number of people. We have huge concerns and reservations, but it's only a small percentage of principals have complained. Right. But 100% of the principals who were involved in the process at the start did raise the concerns about
0: this. So where are we at with it though?
1: Where we are at after, like, again, writing around, um, and again, it wasn't me, so I need to make this very clear. My letters went to the organisations and the representation bodies who were representing me and other principals. Hmm. An action was taken, a case action, um, a class action, sorry, was taken by a test case um over the last few weeks with um, parents had to bring it to court and in the High Court, they ruled on Friday that the assessment of need, as I completed and other principals throughout the country have completed, is not lawful. And basically, this is a huge move forward for and a vindication of the yep. rights of children. And I suppose one of the bugbears I have... So does it
0: go back to what you initially talked to me about Part, it yeah, is, yeah.
1: yes, So, but I didn't take the case. So a parent took the case realising, and with feedback from us principals and deputy principals, yeah. that we aren't qualified to do that. So the High Court rules on Friday that this is not lawful and it's not appropriate and the HSC have to get their finger out and meet the needs of the children as appropriate.
0: So you feel vindicated?
1: In everything I said back in, yeah. a, in a year yeah. and a half ago, absolutely, yes.
0: All right. Look, we leave that there for the moment. But uh, again, you wear many hats. The women's refuge. Here we are in the yes. year twenty twenty four. It must be drawing ever closer, is it? You wear the ch- you're still chair I'm of that area. Still are you? chair.
1: Still chair. Yeah. Still working really hard. Um, we have a phenomenal team in there now. So the last year, I suppose, um, moving, we've moved very fast and we've 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 achieved a lot. Um, and I suppose, like, we don't always publicise everything we've achieved, but we've an amazing management team in there now. Um, I suppose one of the greatest. Um, I suppose celebrations that I can have about the refuge is yes we've got a new building coming and that's amazing but me and and leading out on it as part of the voluntary board of management, hmm. in negotiations with the HSC, we have now got our staff amazing conditions, terms and conditions, and that was a huge thing for us.
0: So when do you hope to cut the ribbon?
1: <laughs> we're going to cut the ribbon. Um, it's due for a handover sometime around, I think June, but we are we take that tentatively. Right. Um, I mean, there's there's lots of jokes that ought to be open for the elections. No, it'll be ready when it's ready. So we're looking hmm. to start moving maybe June, July, or August, and then the ribbon cutting will happen.
0: It truly. It will be one of those momentous occasions, won't it? It's going to make life so much easier for people and it's going to give a lot of hope, isn't it?
1: It is, Alan, and I suppose ultimately the goal will be, and I suppose Catherine, um, our new uh, Director of Services, is very adamant about this, the goal would be that we're not ever full, because we want to be able to meet the needs of um, people who need the refuge, and we mm. want to be able to help them stay in their homes. And that's a great big bugbear of mine that we need to work. National government needs to work towards supporting victims of domestic violence to stay in the family home and not have to flee, and that the, the perpetrator is the one who has to leave the
0: home. Southeast Radio's morning mix. Southeast.